With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. A absolutely professional introduction from the iconic voice, Esther Lynn, as we welcome you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. We are live following the UFC 260 press conference. Of course, the heavyweight championship of the world is on the line this Saturday night in the main event as Stipe Miocic defends against Francis Ngannou in a rematch from their first meeting in Boston at UFC 220, where Stipe dominated a five-round decision. There we go. It's no longer the UFC Vegas 22 uh, pre-fight show, so that's great. Well, the big question is, will it be a different story this time around when the heavyweight title is on the line this Saturday? We shall see, but we're going to discuss that card and a lot of other stuff going on in the world of mixed martial arts today. As we present to you a good old-fashioned number one contenders matchup, Jose Young's, our champion, is in Las Vegas right now, so he awaits the winner of this week's matchup. So let's get right into it. Let's introduce the combatants first. The Prince of Positivity is back, the co-host, the co-matchmaker of On to the Next One from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Alexander K. Lee, AK, good to see you. We're not canceled. How are you? I'm just waving to the, uh, the audience, waving to the live studio audience. Oh, yes, I'm back. I'm back. Hello. I'm ready to uh, ready to I'm ready to play, Mike. I'm always excited to play. Excellent. And back for the first time in a long time. It's been a couple of months. He had to, I guess, decompress a little bit, but he's uh, bringing you takes so hot. We're probably going to need to take cold showers when the show is over from MMAfighting.com. Mr. Jed Mishu, welcome back, my man. I'm so happy to be back, Mike. I have a lot of things to say. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at this, you know? I think I, I got off track at the start of the year. I needed to recompose myself. And the problem really, I think, upon reflection, is I respected the people I was competing against too much, and I, I wasn't able to kind of deliver the same the same shots I need to. 
fortunately, you've given me Alex Lee, so I don't have any issues with that. I have no respect for this man, and this is going to be a bloodbath. Ah, that's what we love to hear. And of course, yeah. for those watching we, on... We write together ahead, every Jay. week, Jed. We write together every week. Re- regular we weeks. It's twice a week sometimes we write together. We do, and you're you're the reason that I haven't won a Pulitzer, because you have edited out all of my best stuff for years at this point. I have no I have no regrets. I, I have avoided many a lawsuit. I, I feel I've saved Vox Media many a lawsuit with my work, and I take pride in it. I mean, everybody, well, somebody's got to be police, that's you. All right, well, listen, I'm going to be the judge record? here. There's no writing no writing involved. I'll, uh, I'll speaking at this point. So uh, for those watching on YouTube live right now, we seek your guidance, your wisdom. Let us know what you think about these topics. Let us know how you're scoring these rounds in the chat. We want to hear from you as well. But let us begin with the UFC Heavyweight Championship of the World, UFC 260. We got Stipe Miocic, who after losing his title to Daniel Daniel Cormier, excuse me, UFC 226 in 2018, he gets that one back with the stoppage win at UFC 241. Then he wins the trilogy, a decision win in August at UFC 252. And then we have Francis Ngannou, who since losing to Stipe, he had that Let's be fair and call it what it is. It was a dud with Derek Lewis. Lost a decision there. But since then, he's run off four first-round KOs in a row in less than, I think, three minutes combined. Just a ridiculous number right there. But, Jed, we're going to begin things with you, my friend, because this has me thinking, and you like to pay attention to these odds and play the ponies, etc. The opening line in this fight, Francis Ngannou was more than a 2-1 to favorite against Stipe Miocic. The line is closed a bit now. But Francis still the favorite, a slight one, at around minus 125, minus 130. So after the way the first fight went, are you surprised that Ngannou was the favorite heading into Saturday? No, because it, it's not 2018. Look, I know Stipe has gone and gotten his Peaky Blinders haircut and slimmed up and made everybody think that he's not 39 years old. But that that's a midlife crisis. I know that he's an old man. You know that he's an old man. He doesn't look as good in the cage. Fortunately, he spent the last three years just fighting another old dude. So it hasn't really come back to bite him in the ass other than that one time that he got knocked out in the first round. So I'm not surprised. This is a really interesting fight in how little we actually know about what the hell's about to happen. Uh, on paper, to me, it makes sense that Ngannou is the favorite because I think he is more likely to win the fight. But that's a lot of supposition. It's a lot of guesswork. Like, like we don't actually know if Francis Ngannou is good, which is maybe my favorite thing in MMA. Like, there is every possibility that he is the baddest man on the planet. And he, like, very realistically, you probably wouldn't want your child to go, like, learn how to kickbox from him because he hasn't shown a, a real great aptitude for the technique parts of things he just hits really hard and has pretty good timing and that has carried him super far he has a lot of other good attributes not trying to knock the man but i I think he should be the favorite here uh but i'm also probably the sport's foremost steep amyocha chater so maybe that's coloring my perception here what do you think ak are you uh you're you're not as into the betting odds as as our friend jet is here but Hearing that France Ngannou is the favorite against Stipe after they fought before and Stipe dominated, what are your thoughts on that? Are you surprised? 
Yes, I'm not as I'm not as uh, addicted to the ponies as our Jed here, but you know, it's funny. I I am a little surprised. I, the, the the odds have gone down though, right, Mike? They've gone a little a little more even now uh, as we get closer to five. Correct? Yeah, they they started at like, plus, yeah, they started at like plus two thirty, and now they're down to or minus minus two thirty for for Francis to mm. open, and now it's down to like minus twenty five one twenty five one thirty. Right. Okay. So at least it's reasonable. Uh, look, I, I, I'll admit I actually was a little bit surprised, and this is coming from someone who picked Francis the first time and was wrong, and who picked who is probably going to pick Francis again this time, uh, and knowing my checker could be wrong on that. But I am a little surprised. I think just given how the first fight went and what we know of their skill sets, yeah, even taking into account how long ago the fight was, where they are, you know, athletically, uh, respectively, in, in their careers right now. It's still like is is Stipe that different a fighter than he was at 220? Is is Francis that different a fighter than he was at 220? We we don't know. You know, Jed mentioned that there's there's question marks, but I'll I'll go as far as say like those those are glaring, glaring, glaring question marks. Say what you know, people can say what they want about like oh he didn't he beat Kane who's a big great wrestler. He beat uh, you know Curtis Blades who's a great wrestler. It's like we didn't see any actual wrestling there. We don't know. Um, and those guys frankly are not Stipe Miocic. They're great fighters, but Stipe is maybe the greatest heavyweight. So I think. Uh, I will say I'm a little surprised because I just feel it's so disrespectful. Uh, and, and again, I, I know I'm part of that by being one of those people who keeps picking against him. But uh, he's he's I know he's easy to overlook. I get it. But his in-cage results at some point have to tell a, like a different, more clear story that for some reason the Ozmakers are just ignoring. I know it's I know I know it's not the Ozmakers' job to really you know analyze these things. It's about it's about getting money. Right? It's about getting money out of out of better. So in that sense, kudos to them, I suppose. Uh but yeah, I, I would say I, I I have some surprise. And I bet I'm not the only one. I bet there's a lot of people uh who've sort of grown to <laughs> certainly not Jed, but a lot of uh, fans of the UFC who have sort of grown to understand uh Stipe's greatness and who are probably a little caught off guard and might not might not honestly might not even know if you told them right now that Francis was the the favorite even uh, the, though it's minor now they I think they'd be surprised so yeah I'm not just speaking for myself I think I'm speaking for a, a good segment of the fan base <laughs> Jed, Jed you got that look in, on your on your face right now do it thing do is, it well, do it Stipe is really good at fighting and I understand that because the results are inarguable I just don't see why he's like, I cannot understand why he's good at fighting. It is the same issue I have with Brian Ortega. Like they lose so much of fights and then they win them. And it's, it's a, it, it is just baffling to me that he has been so successful that I can't understand him. And so I just hate the things that I don't understand. I think that's it. And, like I, it doesn't help that he is an absolute black hole of charisma. Um, that is certainly not doing anybody any favors. But like, I get that he is very good. His results are obviously excellent. I am not one of those Fedor fanboys. I uh, correction, I am a Fedor fanboy, but I'm not like ah, oh, Steve would get killed by Fedor. He'd probably hand Fedor his own ass. Um, like even in their primes. So like, I get that, but it is just. I just feel like he shouldn't be the best heavyweight we've ever had, despite the kind of mounting evidence that that is true. And and so it, it's just really hard for me to do that. And then coming into this fight, like I obviously picked Ngannou the first time. I'm 100% picking him here. I think a lot has changed. Look, we don't know that Francis Ngannou has gotten better. I'm actually not sure it matters if he's gotten better. Uh, I think it would help, certainly. But I think there is at least a 
a very logical and reasonable way to view their first fight as, oh, and Ganu was overwhelmed by the moment, and Stipe has a lot of experience, and, and he knew how to attack Ganu and kind of take advantage of that, and so he carried the day. Coming into this one, Ganu's not going to punch himself out in four minutes, and that makes a much more dangerous prospect for Stipe, when you, especially when you add on the fact that since that fight, he has been knocked out cold. Uh, he's three years older. Like, I assume that Nganu has gotten better because he was early in his career. He probably should have gotten better. And I am very confident that Miocic has gotten worse because people don't get better at sports in their late 30s. And so, to me, it's it seems like Nganu should be the favorite here. It's not disrespectful to Miocic. A lot of things I've said have been, but him being, like, the underdog, that's just a a factor of getting money on both sides of the action. What about the legendary Polish power, Jed? He's getting better with age. Uh, I'm not entirely confident that that is true. I think to some extent, look, I think you know that I'm a huge lover of, of Yanni Blanco there, but I think maybe he has improved slightly. Uh, I think largely he has uh, had really good timing in, in where he is. Like where his career has happened has been very good timing, which is like that has long been my belief on Stipe, too. And I, I'm starting to think that that has to be wrong because he just keeps beating people that are very good. But it's it's just hard for me to I just don't like him. I don't know why he seems like a good dude, salt of the earth. Like I don't have any problem with him personally, but it is very disconcerting that he's the baddest fan on the planet and has been for the last like five years. And so uh, it would be very MMA, and it would make me really happy if Francis Ngannou, who might not be technically brilliant, probably isn't, but he's just he can do a couple things real good, and that's all that it takes. <laughs> like, and he, he just knocks his head off. Like That'd be really MMA fitting, and it'd be great because Ngannou's awesome. He has a tremendous story. And look at the fits that man wears. You see him at the presser today? Look at how good that – that is the champion dressing right there. I would agree. And what's beautiful about this fight is there's doesn't need to be a lot of trash talk here. There's just so many of these questions that we have about who's gotten better, how much better has Francis gotten since the loss of Stipe because it's really almost impossible to say because he just stops guys in 20 seconds – so we don't know what's going to happen if this gets to the second round, the third round, the fourth round. We don't know what improvements he's made in the wrestling, the takedown defense, et cetera. So, AK, you're picking Nganu, but in your heart of hearts, if this gets past the first round, do you think he's in trouble here? Are you are you going to start questioning things? I gotta, I'm got i going to start questioning Jed first. Um, so I heard <laughs> – so Jed used the word assume a few times in there come on Jed. now jed you know when you when when what are the, what's the old saying when when you assume you you look like an ass and uh the other thing was there's was also the brian ortega there was a, there was a, that is the saying and there was also the brian you i also laughed when you i was like you know when that brian ortega alexander volkanovsky fight was canceled i was like surely there is no way that jed will find a way to to, to do a drive-by uh completely on called for drive-by and brian ortega during our uh between the links appearance and sure sure enough poor ortega just caught a stray uh, out of nowhere i'm not sure why i think that was completely unwarranted uh, but uh otherwise i mean look uh no 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 look i i, I get it i get it I, like i said i i can't say enough times i think uh nganu's gonna win uh which is not again it's not a good sign for steve Miocic and his supporters if people know my track record of picking ufc fights especially main events this year where i've just been completely off uh but 
I, I understand the intrigue. And I, I, I even, Jed, I even to some degree understand the clear, clear disdain uh, for that you have for Stipe Miocic. And by the way, for anyone who, he said it wasn't personal, I would just tell people to Google MMA fighting Jed Mishu, Stipe Miocic, and look up any articles Jed has re- written about Stipe. I think it is a little bit personal. I think it is a little bit personal. What? He seems uh, like he's a good dude. <laughs> It's entirely this professional. Is the, this, is the, this is the. This uh, is the. Professional. His professional. Is it now? Personally, he's, he's a firefighter. He seems like a dude who might be cool to have a beer with. But if you have to transcribe what he's saying, you probably don't like his point of fact in there. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of. I'm hearing a lot of. Like, a, a, a lot of Ricky Bobby. Uh, with a, with all due respect, comma and then just fire. Just flames thrown in in uh, steep base direction, and I wish you would just embrace it instead of trying. You know, I, this isn't this isn't like you. Normally, I would think you would just embrace these things. But uh, uh, Mike, what was the question? Now, I, I think we've got we've strayed. I, I apologize. Now, I think we've strayed a little bit from the question. What what are we talking about? How the hell am I going to score this? It's like nine to nine right now. What are we? Uh, is this first round or bust for Francis and Gano? Ak, like, oh if right, this is thing this gets first to the round? Oh yes, round, right. Are you going to be worried? No, no. I'll tell you what. Uh, round uh, round one or two or bust maybe yeah I'll be honest I, I I think I think if I see it go past the second round especially if we don't see him like sting Steve if we don't see him like if we don't we'll know we'll know early on has will he uh, be able to figure out uh, Steve Mochi's timing uh, is he avoiding the takedown as well how is he dealing with uh, with the with the wrestling. Uh, how much wrestling is Stipe using? You know, uh, we'll figure that out pretty quickly in the first ten minutes. After the first ten minutes, if it looks like he's, he's he's having trouble, if he's been taken down in like the second round and and like spent a lot around his back, look, I think I think uh, there's there's no reason not to think it'll be a repeat of two twenty. But I don't know if I'll go so far as to say bust. Like I said, uh, um, I think uh, I, I'm a believer in a lot of things. And Gondo has said, like this is this isn't about isn't even about assuming he's made improvements. It's like it's the mental aspect of things. You know, he was saying he, today's press conference. He was saying I didn't I don't recognize myself when I saw that fighter. You know, there was something I was just off. Uh, his coaches have spoken about how they felt maybe his ego uh, during that time had kind of gotten away from, which I can totally believe. So yeah, I'm kind of picking at intangibles here, but I do I do think that that uh, all of that when you're talking about a five round uh, heavyweight championship fight, I think that kind of stuff matters. So. I, I think he fared. I mean, he didn't get finished, you know, which is something we always bring up as a as a point in his favor. And I think uh, I think he has a chance, even even if it goes into the championship rounds. I think he has a chance. So I'm not I'm not ruling out a late KO for Francis Ngannou. Ak doesn't AK seem like like he said something at the end, and I feel like everybody just glosses over this fact. But to me, it's one of the things that like is the most deciding to me. Like, yeah, Ngannou didn't get finished. Stipe had like a, a physically exhausted fighter in front of him for arguably 21 minutes, but at least 20 minutes, and he couldn't finish him. And I don't know that he said he couldn't, but he because he probably could have if he had tried to, but he was not willing to open himself up to whatever perceived risk there was to finish that fight. He just leaned on Francis, warmed down, didn't really hurt him that much after that initial round. And let him get to 25 minutes. Like if if he can't get Nganu out when Nganu's just shot, like done, I don't feel confident he's going to be able to do that in this one, which means he now has to survive another 25 minutes with 
quite possibly the most dangerous hitter the sport has ever seen. And instead of going against a guy who is going to unload everything he's got in five minutes and then you're mostly safe outside of one big shot, now he's got to do 25 minutes against a guy who's going to be much better prepared to go 25 minutes to have to push past kind of somebody who doesn't just wilt under the first shot. Like that has always been a really instructive thing to me because it's like Steve should have finished him. Like he should have put a stamp on it. And then I would have a lot more questions coming into this one. But now like, I think that it is possible that Steve is technically proficient enough to outbox Francis Ngannou over 25 minutes. Ngannou has, as far as we've seen, has a couple of, couple of attacks and that's largely it maybe he's got more who really knows but if Miocic can mix in some wrestling I think he can work the jab really effectively he did that in their first encounter and he has at least better footwork than any of the people in Ghanu's knocked out in the last four runs but like that's just playing with fire man like that's that's just it like he is playing with fire for 25 minutes this time as opposed to the first time when they fought where he knew that he had to survive an initial storm and then he was good i don't think those i think those dynamics aren't the same and that dramatically changes the outlook of this fight for me of course with all the questions from like a competitive nature between these two guys the biggest question of all when it comes to money and schedule for 2021 is who will face John Jones later this year for the title and Johnny Bones's heavyweight debut because our own Casey Lydon says it all the time I don't believe John Jones is a heavyweight until he actually fights and we're waiting for this fight to end so we can finally see if he's going to fight so there's things we want to see as fans we probably each have our own preference but Jed let me ask you what would be the bigger fight is it John Jones versus scary Francis Ngannou, or is it John Jones trying to beat the greatest heavyweight in UFC history? Yeah, it's definitely John Jones and Ngannou. Uh, I mean, if Ngannou has the title, I think if Ngannou didn't have the title, that'd be a bit interesting, like about which of those two is better. At that point, probably Stipe, but if, if Ngannou has the title, it's definitely that. Like, Stipe has never been an enormous draw. I mean, he's done fine. Like, he's actually not bad, but... Uh, like what he's not going to sell that fight for shit because it's Stipe and Nganu might not be like a huge trash talker, but he has some level of charisma that will make that fight be bigger uh, than it would be Stipe Jones. What do you think AK? Because let's, let's be clear. Just the name John Jones sells this fight, the intrigue, him fighting a heavyweight, he could fight anybody and it's going to sell. But what do you think is, what do you think is the better fight? Is it, is it Jones and Ganu for the title or is it Jones Miocic for the title, you know, most powerful puncher on the planet or the greatest heavyweight in UFC history? I, I, I'm leaning towards, you know, I'll, I'll go the other way and lean towards Miocic because for one thing, there's a history there now. I mean, don't get me wrong. When people look at Nganu's, even though he hasn't won the title, when people look at Nganu's resume, it's almost become like underrated. I will say it's it's like, I think people, because he hasn't won, they're kind of like, oh, how does his resume stack up to, to like Stipe's? And I don't know, maybe it doesn't stack up to Stipe's because Stipe, I think, has the greatest ever. But if you compare Nganu's resume to like any other heavyweight in history, it's kind of like, holy crap, he's got a lot of big names on there who he's finished. Uh, and yet, you know, he doesn't have the longevity yet. But I mean, if we're just talking about quality of wins, it's it's really, really it's considerable. Uh, but but I like the Miocic thing again. I think I think his resume is a little bit stronger. I think he has a greater history, and I think I feel like as bad. And I will acknowledge this uh, that Jed always brings this up. As bad as Stevie is at selling fights, and I, I can't even lie, he is not. He's just not good at it. 
uh, I think there would there would be some genuine animosity there between uh, Jones and Miocic. Now, I mean, look, Jones has done a good job of tweeting at both guys, kind of. I know he's kind of said some stuff about Ngannou, said some stuff about Stipe. But I think Stipe and him, I think, would, would, would their personalities would clash just a little bit more. I think there's a bit of a sort of a glory boy, John thing, and then, of course, the humble, humble Clevelander guy, uh, Stipe. Uh, people can bring up things about what I've ever heard. Hmm? This is ridiculous. Stipe, no, like, it's hated not ridiculous. Less than... Steve John Jones. Daniel Cormier, and we got no heat on that trilogy fight from him. Like, well, John Jones will was, beef with anybody yeah. because John Jones will beef with me if I say that I think I can beat up John Jones. His ego is that fragile that he can't handle anybody. Oh, I th- oh, he can be he can beef with anybody. I just think it'd be more compelling with Miocic. I think it'd be more compelling with Miocic. Definitely I think it'd be more compelling with Francis and Guy. Uh, I think it'd be all right. I think, I think. This is nonsense. If Ngannou goes in no. first round cold, Stipe, hey, I yeah, just if, blow that happens. If that happens, I'm saying shut the hell up, uh, John Jones. I understand. I understand. If that happens, but I'm saying if I had to pick which one I think is the more subtle fight, I'll I'll gladly lean towards Miocic. I think the history matters. I think him being the great, him having the mantle, it would be undisputed heavyweight, the greatest heavyweight of all time. If Ngannou, we've, we just said this earlier. If Ngannou beats Miocic, he'd have a strong case to be. One of the greatest heavyweights of all time, he would not be the de facto greatest heavyweight of all time. I don't think anyone would make that argument. Uh, he'd be he'd be he'd be I on would. his way. Dude, would you? You weren't making you weren't making that case earlier, and and I think Miocic again would definitively. Why not? He's beaten everybody that's good at this point. Like okay, well you're saying that now, but I'm saying Miocic for sure would be, and I think that history is important, and I think that would be established. No, so I, I, I'm just I think be the greatest heavyweight because he's bad. I don't know why you're figuring this out. <laughs> Both fights are sellable. I, I think I think there's a lot of history of Miocic, and I think that that matters. And I and I think and again, I think they'd clash a little more than Ngannou and Jones would. I think Ngannou and Jones, I think they might go the unfortunate like mutual respect route at some point, and nobody wants to see that. Ngannou Jones is just like a supercharged Rumble Jones, and everybody was off their rocker pump for that fight, and we never got it. Like this is this is the most obvious answer of all time. <laughs> all right, last this. last thing. Last thing quickly, we lost some fights. We lost the co-main event. We lost the second title fight between Volkanovski and Jed Mishu's second favorite fighter, Brian Ortega. Jed, is this a good card on Saturday? Main event's no. good. A lot of questions. Is this a good card? This card is trash. This card was pretty, like, okay, this card was good when it had two title fights on it because much as I obviously just don't like Brian Ortega because he makes me look stupid, <laughs> isn't like the hardest thing in the world but he consistently makes me look like a dumbass uh that was still a really compelling fight because i'm gonna i'm gonna go off off here and and actually give ortega a compliment uh i think he has the best chance of beating volkanovsky in the division uh and so that was a really compelling fight losing that fight from this card took like one of the legs out and now it is this card has three fights that are like notable and matter and then it's a lot of filler. Um, fortunately, it's only like nine fights now or ten, so that's good. It's short at least. It's got that going for it. But this card is largely trash, and I know usually you even ask me to to pick a, a deep cut here, and I have one, but it, it was tough to find because this card is bad outside of the main event. Well, what is it? Tell us. Oh, well, obviously the, the most fun fight on the card is uh, Tommy Almeida, Sean O'Malley. That'll just be a fun fight, but that's not really a deep cut. If you're going for a deep cut, the only thing that I could 
twist my head to believe would be fun was the Modesta uh, Bukowskis. I'm sure I'm butchering both of these guys' name. Uh, and then we call Alexajic fight. Like, light heavyweight tends to be a fun division because everybody's pretty terrible in it. Um, and both of those guys have a habit of either winning in emphatic fashion or losing in emphatic fashion. So that'll probably be a fun barnyard explosion. This, what do you think, AK? Is this uh, we we've been spoiled here? We've been spoiled this year, especially at the pay per views. Is this is this a good card? Will you call it good? Look, it's a it's a glorified fight night with a really great heavyweight title fight in the top. Uh, and look, and, and admittedly, it, it's not like uh, uh, Volkanovski and Ortega like put it that far over the top because then it was just a glorified fight night card with two compelling title fights at the top. But but I do think having but I do think having those two I think that like that distinction matters. I do I do think having the two title fights adds a certain luster to it. It kind of it it bumps uh what would have been on the main card instead? I can't remember. Oh they would have bumped off what was oh Malarkey Worthy. Oh, that's a good fight. But either way it kind of you know what I mean it, it 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 moves it shifts everything out of place and it just looks like when you look at the card now on paper you're like this really looks like a fight night. Like if this was like Woodley Luke feels like a fight night headliner, you know what I mean, and then and then backed up by all these other fights, or maybe O'Malley Almeida, depending on I don't know how high people think the UFC still is on uh, on O'Malley, but it's it's I, I can't I can't disagree with Jen on this one. I know we've had a fiery start here, uh, but I think we can get a, we can find some middle ground here because I I I mean I'm not going to argue this is just super strong, especially for a pay per view, uh, one that kind of built for a while. Losing that title fight hurt a lot, and uh, you know we talk about deep cuts. I'm looking at like Shane Young, Omar Morales, and that's a fight that's been, I mean, that's a fight that could be in jeopardy up until fight night because, I mean, there's been rumors that uh, there's maybe a false positive with the test on, uh, on Shane Young's side. So uh, we're hoping everything seems to be okay so far. It's on schedule. Both fighters, I've not heard either of them say the fight is off. But when you're when, when one of your deep cuts is a fight that might get knocked off for co- uh, by COVID in the next 48 hours, that's usually not a sign of a, of a deep or particularly compelling event. Well, I mean, these gentlemen sold it for you, but we will have coverage through Saturday night into early Sunday morning. So stick with us at MMA Fighting. We got the weigh-in show tomorrow at noon Eastern. It'll be compelling television, I promise. So get excited for that. But the point for round one, I didn't think we'd go 20-plus minutes on UFC 260, but the point for round one goes to... Jed Mishu on the board. What? One to nothing. What? He won Justice. a nine to eight and a half. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Would I get the point? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all good. It was a good this battle. Kind of, this is a good battle. This is how the show this is how the show's gonna be. It's this kind of show. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Are we getting an AK heel turn right now? I hope so. I'm just, saying, I'm, just, I'm just asking a question. I'm just asking. I'm just, I'm just holding up the mirror. I'm just holding up the mirror. That's all I'm saying. I'm just holding up the mirror. <laughs> Everybody knows how this show is going to go. Don't worry about it. You're going to be in the finals. No, I, we don't know. We don't know. Nothing in life is nothing in life is guaranteed. Okay. All right. Well, we talked about this Saturday. Let's talk about this past Saturday. Okay. UFC Vegas 22. Derek Brunson oh. comes through with his wow fourth straight win. Look at that banner right there. But uh, Brunson gets a five round unanimous decision win over. Big mouth Kevin Holland, who went 5-0 in 2020. It was a big win for Brunson, who is now the number four ranked 185-pounder in the UFC. But AK, we will begin with you. Despite the loss, the big story here is Kevin Holland. Did he talk too much? Was he taking it seriously? And Derek Brunson, even with the win, he's kind of the second-place storyline here. Is that is that fair, AK? Is Derek Brunson not getting enough credit for his victory on Saturday? All right. Listen, uh, I came out hot in round one. Uh, my corner has calmed me down. They've rubbed the ice all over my back and chest. I am, uh, I've, they've cooled me off, all right? I got a little hot there. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for anything I said. I stand by it. But, uh, but we need to be, uh, speak with, we need to speak with moderation here because this is a touchy, this is a touchy subject, all right? So I'll say first That's this. That's not my strength, Oh, I know you're ready to unload. I know you don't have to be careful. I'm going to I'm gonna have to be careful here because... Because judge, judging by kind of the reaction I've seen from some of my peers on social media, some of the uh, some of the uh, people working in the truck, uh, the MMA fighting truck, uh, have a certain opinion of this. Are very supportive. <laughs> okay, see, that's very unprofessional, guys. Very unprofessional. All right, they're very supportive of the of the Kevin Holland shtick. They haven't Kevin Holland's. His natural personality, his, his loquaciousness, uh, which is on display in the cage, more on display than ever because we are now having events in an empty arena and you can literally hear nothing during his fights but him talking. And that's fine. Look, that's 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 the Kevin Holland that a lot of people that, that America fell in love with. That's the Kevin Holland that that people were talking about as a contender last year when he went five and oh. That's great. That's let me tell you something. That's the same Kevin Holland that I have not liked for a long time and 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 look i don't i'm not blaming him for talking talking is great i'm not like dana white who dana white said uh initially oh he didn't he didn't sign him off the contender series because he talked too much which was absurd that was that was a very stupid thing to say uh if anything we know that dana white and the ufc love guys who talk a lot i don't know if anyone quite talks as much in the cage as holland uh but you know it's certainly something he's he, he got known for even before in that five fight win streak but for me 
my my affinity towards Kevin Holland is directly related, and it's going to sound crazy, it's directly related to whether he's winning fights or not. I like Kevin Holland when he's winning fights. Maybe that's a spicy take. I don't know. But I, I certainly sympathize with the segment of fans who were who were put off by a lot of the I'm gonna go, I'm gonna use a strong word here, guys. The antics. The antics that we saw on, on Saturday night, he wasn't just talking to Derek Brunson. He was talking to Khabib at, at, at the Rick Cage side. He's probably talking to Dana White, talking to his corner. He, he was talking to, like, everybody. And I get it. It's it's who he is. It's what he does. But I'm just saying people don't have to like it. I, th- I think the optics of it are are understandably bad, okay? I, I when, when you're winning fights, you can do whatever you want, okay? Same, same goes for Conor McGregor. When, when he's winning fights, great. I think oh, I find some of his quotes great. When he's losing and just being a complete moron, uh, I'll, I'll call him out for it. I, I'm not going to say, oh, that's just Conor being Conor. You know, it's like, no, these people ha- should be, you know, these fighters should be held accountable uh, when their behavior is kind of like kind of off-putting. So I don't think Holland's kind of reached that level, though some of his podcast comments are certainly regrettable. Uh, but as far as him talking too much, yeah, I think I think you have to read the room a little bit, whether the room has is, you know uh, fans in attendance or not. I think you have to read the room a little bit, and I think and I think maybe adjust how you approach things. Again, I'm not saying he's I don't think he's going to. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be deleterious to his career if he doesn't, and I'm not saying that it would have changed anything that happened on Saturday if he'd suddenly you know become a mime for the last like three rounds. But I'm saying if you want to know where the criticism is coming from, it's a bad look when you're losing a fight like that and you're smiling and you're laughing and you look like you don't care about whether you won or lost. That's what it looked like. I'm not saying that's how he feels about it. That's what it looked like. Interesting. What what do you think, Jeff? Because it it is interesting because Kevin Holland talking, as AK sort of alluded to, that's what's gotten him over with fans, with Dana White, even though Dana wouldn't sign him off the contender series because he quote unquote talked too much during oh. the fight. Well, we know that's winning. Not it's because he didn't finish. Winning. It's, it's, Hold on. Winning has gotten won. him over with fans. Winning has gotten him over with fans. Let's be clear. I, I don't want to be misrepresented here. Winning. I, what I'm saying is winning has gotten him over with fans. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry to interrupt. I apologize. Okay. To, to, to counteract what you just said. Oh, okay. Okay. Even when, Ke- even when Kevin Holland knocked out Anthony Hernandez in May last year, yeah, the fight was only 39 seconds. The whole storyline out of that fight was, why didn't you talk, Kevin? Where was that, Kevin Holland? Where was the trash talk? We wanted to hear you the whole fight. And he got bombarded with questions about why you didn't talk in that fight. So naturally, he started talking again. But, Jed, let me ask you this. In your eyes, is Derek Brunson not getting enough credit for the win? And honestly, if Holland said nothing the whole fight, would that fight have gone any differently? <laughs> no. Of course it wouldn't. Look, I try not. That's not true. I use hyperbole all the time. This is actually me being dead serious. I legitimately think this might be the dumbest damn thing that the MMA world has discussed, like, in the last six months. This is categorically ridiculous every way you look at it. Like, first, I'll just answer your original question So before I go off on this rant, Mike. Derek Brunson is getting exactly the correct amount of appreciation for his win. I am not here to take any credit away from Derek Brunson. That is a good win over a good contender. Uh, dominant. He was never at risk of losing that fight realistically. He is now – he got two checks out of the deal, moved into the top five. His next fight is probably a title eliminator. There's nothing else that you can ask for from a fighter – from a uh, a sporting standpoint. He conducted himself with class in and outside of the cage like – Good for Derek Brunson. I am glad he is finally going to get potentially a chance to compete for the belt. Like, he deserves it. He's been grinding away. That's all I'm going to say about Derek Brunson because this whole other conversation is taking place. And, again, it's the stupidest damn thing we've talked about in months. 
on a point-by-point basis, strategically, it would be very stupid for Kevin Holland to stop talking because this is not a gimmick. It's not a shtick. It's not something he does like Connor does to try and get in the heads of his opponents. It's just who he is. Like, you wouldn't tell Tom Brady to go out there and throw left-handed because he got picked off a couple of times. Like, that's just – that's really bad coaching. Like, hey, I know that this is who you are and this is how you do your, compete your best, but let's not do that because it's it's making the internet feel a little certain kind of way about it. Like, that's dumb as shit. Uh, moving on from that, if you were like, the, this whole fight bothered the shit out of me because of Bisping and Felder being like, he needs to get serious and stop talking. If he had done that mid-fight, it would have been even worse. What's Derek Brunson going to think when Kevin Holland suddenly shuts the hell up and starts fighting? Like, oh, he's going to think, oh, I've beaten this man already. We're done here because now I've taken him out of his game. Like, talking, being loose. Like, being loose is such a big thing for fighters. Like, everybody talks about, oh, he looks really comfortable in there. Why would we want to be like, hey, Kevin, get less comfortable? That's not good. Absolutely ridiculous. Aside from all the financial incentives that it is, like, he is more popular because he talks, the ultimate thing here is it doesn't matter if he was talking, if he was silent, if he was reading a book, if he had brought a baseball bat into the cage with him, he wasn't winning that fight because Derek Brunson's better than him. Like, that's it. Him talking had nothing to do with this. Like, his corner comes and talks to him at, at, at halftime or whatever. It's like, hey, man, let's – what are they going to do? He Is he going to be Hulk Hogan and put his serious face on and just be able to defend takedowns? No, he's still going to get taken down. He's still going to lose the fight. This whole thing's ridiculous. And frankly, him talking is the only thing that made this fight fun. Like it was fun to watch him talk to Habib while he's losing. Because otherwise it was just watching him get laid on. Not Again, this is not a condemnation of Derek Brunson. Because I think Brunson fought really well, a really smart fight. But it is not compelling television to watch Derek Brunson be smart and just positionally dominate Kevin Holland. The only interest in that fight was Kevin Holland talking to Habib during the sidelines. And I guess in that second round when he looked like maybe he buzzed Holland, his holding is really stupid. Uh, we could get into a lot of like social dynamics that I think are probably underpinning why some pe- some people feel this way. Uh, not not UAK, but like other people probably have some feelings about Kevin Holland walking uh, and stuff. But like we don't really need to because this is all just really stupid. The last thing I'm going to say is uh, on this and then I'll kick it back because I know I went for a while here. Uh, it's totally OK that Kevin Holland doesn't care if he wins or loses. Like there is no onus on him to give a shit about that. This is his life, his career. He gets to determine how he wants to do it. Like they tell you since you're little, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. And like realistically, Derek Brunson probably is never going to win the title. And being as wrapped up as he is in victory and defeat is probably good for him in a career sense in some some aspects. But ultimately, he he is going to be really sad the next time he loses. Whereas Kevin Holland was able to take this loss and move on like there's probably a good argument that the way kevin holland approaches fighting uh as as the journey being the purpose and not the destination is is better for him uh his mental health and his long-term physical health frankly and it's also just his damn choice like we don't get to tell him how to live his life if he's comfortable with this decision and and doing that and that's how he is is his best and his happiest hell yeah man do your dance talk your shit like that's fine Whoa, what is going 
truck. I think uh, you uh, technical glitch. Technical glitch. Okay, we'll, we'll whatever. We'll fix that in post. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So, d- building upon what you just said, Jen, that was an amazing speech, by the way. You know, you. I, I, this stuff about Kevin talking during the fight, I, I think you feel like it's clearly you're just blown out of proportion. And I get that, but the one thing, like, like Daniel Cormier made an interesting point about this earlier this week. You know, and, and you kind of said it too. Kevin is who he is. His coaches know who he is. But the one issue that a lot of people seem to have, like you can have the the talking meant nothing. He would have lost that fight anyways. But the fact that he's on his feet, he's talking with Habib who's sitting next to Dana White. That's all fun and good. And it's great. It's great to watch. It's great television, but nobody on his team in his corner sat him down. It was like, dude, sit your ass down, focus. This is what we want you to do. You're down three, four rounds to none, et cetera. And then maybe Kevin isn't just, they're just like whatever kevin do it do your thing but at some point like you just gotta be like dude you gotta knock this dude out like you gotta finish this you fight don't. so what you does don't kevin holland be like that at some point <laughs> you can totally okay. just let him live his no. life like it is no you listen hold on out there and expressed himself in the way that he wanted he is clearly entirely comfortable and happy with his performance and with with what transpired like he obviously would have preferred to win but he is not exiting this being like man i i screwed up i am i'm unsatisfied or i'm unhappy like he did what he wanted to do the outcome was not how he wanted it to go and that's entirely fine like we're Everybody is existing in this paradigm where the only thing that matters is wins and losses. And that's just not the truth. Like if, if you want to view the world that way or specifically fighting that way, that's, that's okay. It's your prerogative to do so. Kevin Allen clearly does not. And that is fine as well. Like it is his career. It is his brain cells. He gets to do what he wants to do. And as coaches, we have to assume are aware of that and not incompetent. Okay, okay, so, so many, in your so mind, many, Mike, may I? Mike, right, may go I? ahead, AK. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. So many, th- so many things here. All right, uh, one that the whole point of discussion is we're saying you're right, Jade. You're right. It's not about whether he won or lost. Uh, what we're saying is how did it look when he was when he's either winning or losing? Okay, that's it. No, and that's what we're saying. Uh, you're, you didn't refute anything. You literally did not refute a single thing I said because I said I said uh, I agree kind of that the talking didn't have an effect. If anything, you, uh, you, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to point this is very rude. Even over the internet, this is very rude. But you've brought, sir, you've brought me to this level. Uh, you are the one who was saying that him changing his demeanor uh, would have made him fight worse or something. Like if he stops talking, so is it? Yeah, so is the, does the talk? So does the talking or, or not talking affect the performance or not? Why the two orders, Colonel? Why the two orders? Because you've made two points there that contradict each other, saying that that you, that, that, that no. the talking. Because I, I I'm saying the talking doesn't matter. I agree. What I'm saying the talking does do is it affects the perception of him, which clearly it did. I, look, all this kumbaya bullshit about like, oh yeah, oh, okay, he's oh he's he's living a super happy life. He's so mentally that's awesome. I agree. If 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 Holland never wins a fight again and is super happy with it and is like and 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 goes on to live a retirement and like he's like and no regrets. That's amazing. That's like a credit to him and like, again, his mindset. That's awesome. Maybe more fighters should be like that. But the point is, there's fans do not have to accept that. There is there is no aspect of, oh, fans should just be happy for him. Oh, fan, oh yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Let him fight however you want. No, fans, fans are allowed to react how they want. This was his first main event on ESPN. That's a big deal. There was probably a lot of people seeing him for the first time. And if you think that they were as amused by the talking to Khabib, they probably know who Khabib Nurmagomedov is. That there was amused by him talking to the case side, talking to this guy during. 
don't know who Aviv is. I'm saying some, ran, some some random person tuning in. I don't know, but but the, but the point is, is the, the point is that they didn't that they didn't see they didn't see what you're seeing. You're seeing like oh, it's just a guy having fun. No, they saw a guy who was losing a fight and was just talking and looked like he didn't have a care in the world. And like I said, some people might view that as a positive. That's fine. But at the same time, it's it can be a very very bad look. This is about optics and the coaching thing is like. The Tom Brady thing is completely crazy. The, 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 the Tom Brady thing is completely crazy. Coaching a guy is not, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how you coach people. I don't, when I'm coaching someone, or if I would ever coach someone who would listen to me, but I wouldn't tell them to completely change their game. Coaching doesn't mean telling someone to completely change what they're doing. It means making little tweaks and adjustments. Do you think Tom Brady or other high-level athletes, even at this age, don't listen to their coaches and don't take advice and adjust their games if they're having a bad half if they, or if they made a bad read or had a bad play? This was this was Derek Brunson especially having a bad read for 20, uh, sorry, uh, Kevin Holland, for 25 minutes and not adjusting uh, until the end when he had that guy that takedown, which was fucking hilarious. But, uh, but other than that, it's like to say that the coaching – to say that he didn't listen to the coaching is like is is or shouldn't listen to coaching and the coaching doesn't matter is no that's absurd that's that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense so uh no i in no way said that he shouldn't listen to coaching i said his coaches shouldn't tell him to shut up because that would be fundamentally bad and why the why we don't know we don't know that that would be fundamentally bad we we said you said you said the talking you said the talking wouldn't make a difference. Why the two orders, Colonel? You said the talking or not talking no. wouldn't make a difference. Okay, so which one is I, it? Does the, the talking, talking matter or not? Did not make a difference to him losing the fight. I think the not talking, which is not the same as talking, they are in fact exact opposites. Not talking probably would have made a difference in this context. Like, and I, I'd like to agree with you. Fans do not owe him anything. You can feel however you want to about this. That is entirely your prerogative. But just so you're aware, it's real damn dumb because why do you give a shit? <laughs> like that's that's the whole crux of my argument is Kevin doesn't care and this is his life and his career. So why do you care other than some idyllic, ah, oh, well, we want everybody to be GSP unless they're going to be Connor and then that's they're not what I said at all. Like, I, I said wasn't nothing like you. that. I was talking about the fandom writ large yes. that is up in arms about Kevin Holland being mouthy or whatever the hell it is. Like, I don't give a shit. I think he's happy, and that's enough in general for me. And he's probably better by being this way than fitting into some box that everybody wants him to fit into. Now – because he lost because you said that winning and losing doesn't matter but it very obviously does because literally the determination there is whether you think this is okay (laughs) like if he wins it's cool if he loses it's not which isn't an unreasonable thing like that happens fairly commonly in life but my point is that that's dumb and who gives a shit it's how you play the game and if he's happy go for it (laughs) well i'm saying that's how you feel about it but i'm saying there was a reason he became super popular in 2020. It's because he was talking and winning all of his fights. He now lost and was talking the same way and people didn't like it. I think there's a very like direct correlation there and I think it's pretty obvious. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that being the way that people view him. I think, uh, again, you know, your, your personality is one thing. And again, everybody loves everybody loves a winner. And when you're a loser, everyone's gonna kick you right down. Really, there's almost nothing you can do. It's not gonna make a difference. But I'm saying in this case, the, the talking, how he presented himself on Saturday, it certainly amplified whatever criticism people may already have of Kevin Holland. And I, I don't see how that can be, how that can be denied. I have a question. Uh, it's a serious question, too. Like, a, a God's honest, serious question. 
Do either of you, this is for you as well, Mike, or, or Casey, if you want to weigh in, do either of you think this story matters or gets as much traction if Bisping and Felder don't, like, scold him mid-fight? If they're just like, ah, Kevin Holland's still out there being himself, do you think anybody gives a shit? Because I don't. I think this, like, actually tracks back directly to those two. I think we'd still be talking about it, honestly. Think so? I think we would. Yeah, I think Dana White would have, because Dana White still would have given his quote to Kevin Ioli saying he had a mental yeah, breakdown. Maybe. We still would be talking. Maybe about Kevin it. Dana. Maybe I, I, I could maybe buy that then. So I get the point. Sure. All right. So, re- re- okay. So real quick on this, what you're saying, Jed, is that Kevin does Kevin Hall need to change anything? Does he need to change? Like, does he need to move to 170, stay 185? Okay, so you think he should move to 170? I think he will probably be optimized at 170, but I think he is fine at 185. Like, he's still going to win a lot of fights. I think if they rematch in a couple years and Kevin Holland maybe worked on his wrestling defense, like, he could probably beat Derek Brunson. But, like, it's also – he is at some point – probably undersized for middleweight so i'm feeling less confident about that as the as these days go on in general but like yeah at welterweight he's probably going to be better what do you think ak is it moving to 170 is it maybe change some things up obviously the wrestling the takedown defense needs to improve his approach like what does he need to change or does he just like you said does he just need to, to tweak a couple of things and keep being the same old kevin holland I think a move to 170 would help a lot. Uh, I, I, if he can do it, if he can do it comfortably, which again, he's, 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 he's been matched up at 170 and, you know, the fights have kind of, kind of fallen through, unfortunately. So he's fought at 170 before the UFC. If he can do it comfortably, I think that's, that's going to make a big, big difference. Uh, as far as the mental tweaks again, and the talking, all the stuff that we've been saying about that, I, I don't know, you know, that again, that, that does come down to whether him and his team actually feel uh, whether that, you know, the way he displays his personality during fights is distracting or if it's distracting during training or things like that. He's himself has said, you know, dropping down will help him focus. And I don't know. I don't know if focusing means again, does that mean less talk? That might mean more talking. Maybe, maybe a more focused Kevin Holland is louder and more verbose than before. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's going to depend on what him and his team says, but I do think they need to have a conversation about it. Um, again, ma- maybe Kevin nothing, Holland, maybe nothing changes. Do you think Go Kevin ahead, Holland talking is more distracting to Kevin Holland or to the dude he's talking to. It, it, it could be it could be just more distracting to him. There's no chance it's more distracting. You don't know. Oh, absolutely it could. I I have I, I know so many people. just talks a lot. Like, trust me. Yeah, I know. And you should and you should see how distracted you become. Your eyes just glaze. I get worried about you when you get into one of your rants and I wonder maybe if he took a breath, he could focus really and make a make a coherent point. That's Trust me, absolutely, absolutely. Just talking too much, I think, can be can be distracting to people. It depends. Again, like I said, some people benefit it, some people don't. I, I'm, I I talk a lot of crap when I'm playing whatever you know rec league garbage uh, sports that I play. But uh, and again, maybe I'd be better if I didn't. I don't know. But uh, definitely talking. I I don't know. I, I I don't like I said. It didn't make a difference in this for sure. This one fight, I I don't think it mattered. Just a matter of how people viewed it and sort of the presentation of it. All right. Well, listen. Good win for Derek Brunson. He deserves some praise. We'll give it to him. We got some big performances on Saturday from Max Griffin, from Adrian Yanez, Grant Dawson, who tried to do what he always does to win fights, and then James Krause screamed at him and called him an MFR, and he got a finish just like Mr. Krause to, wanted some. Maybe to be clear. 
because this is the thing that's bothered the hell out of me about that fight. Kraus told him, like, in no uncertain terms, don't take him down. He did it anyway, but he did get the finish. So, like, James Kraus, hell of a coach. I think he gave good instruction, but we shouldn't be like, ah, James Kraus talked him into this win. Like, actually, Grant Dawson did the exact bit of what he was told, but it worked out anyway. If you watch no, my interview with Grant Dawson, he completely he, he completely downplayed yeah. James Krause's speech too. He goes, "Dude, I oh, hear that no. all the time. It meant nothing essentially." <laughs> goes literally, he goes, oh, "I've gotten see. much worse. I got much worse before the fight." You you ruined my mystique of that moment. I thought it was like a you strawberry, you know, uh, uh, Simpsons. You strawberry hit a home run, and I thought that's why uh, that's why Dawson <laughs> got the finish. But I guess that's not the case. <laughs> yes, Grant, g- good win for Grant Dawson. Good win for Bruno Silva. Great finish. Got a new contract. Montel Jackson, Tai Tuvasa. They treated their uh, massive underdog opponents accordingly. But uh, all in all, good card this past Saturday. As we move ahead to the uh, to the lightweight division, a lot has happened there. We are just the heat is on here. Halfway through regulation, the point for round two goes to I gotta tell you, AK, I am so impressed with you right now. That was that was that was some amazing stuff. You get the point, sir. Nice. Yeah. I was impressed. I thought I thought things make sense. That was that was an amazing rebuttal. I got to give you that. Good stuff, Jed. That that might have been the best round in the history of this program. That was great stuff. Absolute nonsense. Well, let's see. Let's see if it distracts you, Jed Mishu. You like to talk. Let's see if that gets in your head here. But uh, yeah, listen, listen. listen to your corner, Jed. Listen to your corner. <laughs> okay. Last week, obviously filled with a lot of big news. We gave a quick reaction to all this news this past Friday. AK, you were there, obviously. But let's dive a little deeper now that we have digested it a little bit more. So Dana White officially took the white flag, waved it in the air in regards to Habib Nurmagomedov's comeback. Basically nothing changed at all since October, since UFC 254, despite the decisions and the dinners and the the conversations. Nothing changed. Habib did not come back. Whatever. What, Jed? What? It's untrue. Something has changed, but I'll tell you about it when I get my time. All right. So the division, something will change. It's the division moving forward on May 15th, UFC 262 in Houston. Charles Oliveira is going to fight Michael Chandler to crown a new champion at 155 pounds. Jed, your time starts now, my man. Your thoughts, one, on the UFC finally moving on with the Habib dream, at least for the time being, and two, is this the right fight to make to move this division forward? So one thing did change between October and now, and it's that Conor McGregor's coming off a loss. That's it. That's the only thing that changed. Dana was just obviously trying to set up a rematch that Habib would never take, but he got dollar signs in his eyes, couldn't let it go. Now Conor's lost, and they're going to run it back with Poirier, and that's at least one dollar sign in the eyeball, so he feels okay. Uh, That's the only thing that's changed. As far as making this fight... Uh, this fight is objectively terrible as as the the vacant title bout. Uh, I think it's it's honestly hilariously funny because lightweight is unquestionably the best division in the sport and probably the best division ever. And I personally believe that this title will be the paperest of all paper championships in the history of the UFC. Like on paper, like th- by their own admission. 
they have decided to replace the GOAT, the greatest lightweight of all time, one of the best fighters ever. They are going to hand his mantle over to the winner of the number three versus number four dudes in the division. Like, that in and of itself is an admission that this is ridiculous. Uh, my favorite thing about this is that depending on the outcome and kind of how the next couple of months play out, the UFC champion could very reasonably and and very arguably be like the fifth best lightweight in the world <laughs> because Habib, even though he's not fighting, like if the aliens came down and said, pick your 155-pound champion to defend the planet, Habib's the dude, so he's the number one. Poirier is obviously uh, the number one uh, above the three and four guys, even <laughs> however this fight goes between them. Gaethje still ranked above both of them, still very arguably better than both of these two men. Uh, if Michael Chandler wins, it was like a year and a half ago that Pipple put him on his ass, so Pipple's better than him. And then if Connor beats Poirier in their trilogy fight, Connor has just beaten the actual best lightweight on earth, so he's better than those, the, either of those two dudes either. That's five guys that would have a legitimate claim to being better than the dude who's holding the belt of the premier organization. Like, this just screams eh, we, we don't care. We gave up. Like, Connor is going to run it back <laughs> with Poirier. And instead of making that fight for the belt, which at least makes sense, because the winner of that fight will inarguably be better than the winner of this fight. Because the winner of that fight will either be the top lightweight in the world or the guy who beat the top lightweight in the world. Like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And I don't even understand it. Like, his... Is the argument that, well, Connor doesn't deserve a title fight? No, he doesn't, but at least one person in that fight would deserve to be fighting for the belt, as opposed to two guys who kind of could fight for the belt, but are less deserving than demonstrably other people. This is the stupidest thing ever. The fight's good. Don't get me wrong. Fight's going to be great. The winner's not the best lightweight in the world, though, so it's really stupid for them to get to hold a belt. A lot to unpack there, AK. Around a week has passed since, since we reacted to this news. I think the descriptive terms that Jed used to describe this fight was uh, objectively ridiculous, uh, eh, and the stupidest thing we've ever seen. So what descriptive <laughs> words would you use to describe this new title fight? And I don't think people are upset Charles Oliveira is in the fight. Chandler seems to be the question mark here. Is this the best fight to make for the title? All right, what words would I use? The fight itself, exciting, exciting. I, I'm really looking forward to the fight. But the whole situation, uh, frustrating. It is frustrating. And I'm particularly frustrated like in this moment now because I, I really wanted to carry over the heat that I feel like Jed and I were bringing up. I think those first two rounds were slobber knockers. I'll, I'll give him the credit for that. He stood in the pocket with me. We banged. It was great. But I, I, I'm so frustrated by how this lightweight situation... Poirier and McGregor, the rematch, should have just been for the lightweight title. Why? Why? Look, we said this months ago. We, we, I think a lot of the fans wanted to see it. It was the one situation where fans have been like, or even for an interim, you know what I mean? But fans would have been okay with that, with the, with a, a title being vacated and put on the line. Yes, it's like, oh, McGregor, it doesn't matter. Like we said, Poirier's in there. Poirier is clearly right now the number one non Khabib Nurmagomedov lightweight in the world. So as long as he's in there, you can be kind of happy. And McGregor's McGregor. You, you know, you can't argue he's got the star power. But we didn't get that, did we? We didn't get that. Now we're getting this trilogy bout, which is going to sell despite the fact that I don't think anyone you ask 
if you, any other MMA fan you talk to really cares about. I mean, like I said, we're all going to watch it, but do we? Are, is anyone like excited about it? I, I don't know one person who's like excited to see this trilogy about. So that's kind of I a am. weird situation. Excited, Jed? I mean, I would prefer other excited? fights because I want Boye yes. to get the same. Title. Well, fight's yes. gonna be dope. <laughs> like, it's gonna be all their cool. fights have been dope. The first fight, I yeah, know, I, 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 that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I just wish, I, I just wish that again, the first fight had been for a title, and then we could have gone in other directions. Like I feel like that trilogy didn't need to happen right away. And again, and I, but we told, but we all understand why it is. That's the thing is we can kind of question about they doing this, and you answer the, will answer the question in about like two seconds. You're like, oh yeah, there's twenty reasons why it's happening next. Um, so it's frustrating, and then and that has all left Justin Gaethje out of the picture, a guy who I don't know if I agree, but I mean, people are saying why you know he easily could have been thrown in, into a lightweight title shot, and again. While he wouldn't be my number one pick, I wouldn't complain. Like Oliveira versus Gaethje, who's gonna say who's gonna say that that's not a great title fight? So, I really, really wanted to disagree with Jed here. Uh, and, and again, based on sort of the premise of the question, like was this the fight to make? I mean, the answer is clearly yes, based on, but really based on how everything else has kind of shaken out around these guys, and and to their credit, putting themselves in position for it. Charles Oliveira, eight fight win streak, uh, looked amazing. And for, and let me tell you when he the way he beat Ferguson, I was very convinced that he was the guy I would want to see be anybody else. So where that puts him in the actual rankings now, I don't know. Like in, in your uh, your mind, speaking to the viewer, I don't know. But he's like somewhere, you know, he's in, are, are definitely in the top three somewhere, right? Chandler talked his way into it. Let's be honest. Great performance, amazing debut. Talked his way into it. Jed mentioned if you look at his three fights before coming to the UFC, it does not look like someone who is the number one contender for the UFC lightweight championship. That's just that's just being honest with the, with the respect for Michael Chandler and all he's done in his career. Recent performances, a, a little something to be desired. Quality of opponent before before Dan Hooker. So, uh, and respect to Benson Henderson, but I mean a very thorough match for Chandler. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not conceding this round. I don't want to concede this round. I, I, I'm trying to make some points that are, but I, but I'm languishing here to try and I admit to, to try and disagree with Jed because it's the fight that made sense. Is it the fight that crowns the rightful lightweight champion? I'm just gonna, Mike. I'm just gonna trail off here and just let you carry on the show. <laughs> okay, so you make you make a great point, AK. Chandler Did I? talked himself into the tight. <laughs> No, 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 because he talked him, he talked himself into it. He cut that promo after, but I'll tell you what else he did. He said yes. When the phone rang and they said, Hey Chandler, we need you to fight in two or three weeks, the next pay-per-view card. You're gonna fight Charles Charles Oliveira. You down? He said, Yep. Got on a plane, went to Florida, got ready to train. The fight didn't happen. And I think that's a big reason why he got the spot too, because he didn't say no when the phone rang and the question was asked to him. So I think that helps. But that fight is set for May 15th. So kind of looking at the rest of this puzzle, Tony Ferguson and Benil Dariush are going to fight at 262 as well. The UFC wants to do the trilogy fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. I know reports have surfaced this fight is a done deal for July 10th. I can tell you from where I sit right now, that is not the case. In fact, they are a ways away from that fight getting done. Not saying that it won't get done. They're looking at that date, but we are pretty far away right now at the negotiation table. Justin Gaethje, like you guys said, he's there without a dance partner right now. So I'm sure there's a part of him right now that hopes the negotiations continue to be a struggle between Poirier and McGregor. So AK, let's just say May 15th, May 16th, May 17th. Let's just say these days, these dates keep coming along day by day. And McGregor just says, you know what? 
I'm throwing my hands in the air. Screw it. I'm not waiting on Dustin. I just want to fight. I'm not going to risk sitting out until the end of the year or sitting out the rest of the year to book this one fight. Get my ass in there. What do we do then? What do we do then? How does this division shape up at this point if we can't get McGregor Poirier? Because it, it's possible we don't get that fight on July 10th. Put the ball on a tee for him. <laughs> is this an is this an impromptu? Is this an impromptu onto the next one, Mike? And are we doing it onto the next one? Uh, live, live by the way, every Sunday and downloadable. Guys, check it out on Monday Monday podcast. Shut up, Jed. You're gonna get your chance too. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know. I'll be honest. Like, I, I know, I know. He says he's uh, that this has been teed up for me. But you know, I'm 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 a thinker outside the box. If McGregor said he just wanted to fight right away, I mean, I mean, okay. Look, obviously, yes. I mean, look, Gaethje. That's a matchup I think people want to see for a long time. Uh, that's gosh, that fight would just be great. Uh, I want to. There's a comment in the. Sorry, I know I'm sidetracking us here. There's a comment. Uh, and I have to give him credit because I'm about to steal this thought from, uh, Mon- you know, we do this live, but Monstro on the YouTube comments saying, Gaethje's an absolute savage. Uh, I believe he's going to KO his next opponent. He has a chip on his shoulder now. And that just has me thinking, man, I would not want to, c- considering how cheesed Justin Gaethje is right now, I would not want to be his opponent. But I mean, you, I get, but I mean, Conor McGregor would sign up for that opportunity in a second. I, I don't think Conor McGregor fear, really fears anybody. I don't think he definitely doesn't, I don't, definitely doesn't. <laughs> I definitely don't think he fears Justin Gaethje. I think it's a stand-up battle that he would like. I don't think I don't think uh, I think he would trust Gaethje not to go to the wrestling. So I think that's a great matchup. But there's one other matchup that intrigues me, guys, and I know you guys are going to laugh. Let them all laugh. I don't care. I, I biffed this round anyway. I still there's a part of me, guys, that still wants to see Conor McGregor and Rafael dos Anjos. I don't know. I cannot let go. There's an alternate reality where that fight happened, guys, and everything changed. Maybe. Maybe we can fix MMA. This is like final destination, guys. Maybe we can fix MMA by closing that loop and making that fight happen. I'm sorry. I still want to see it. I still want to see it. I know there's another name out there. And I know there's another name out Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead. You shouldn't apologize. That's like a totally interesting <laughs> valid fight. It could be fine with eh, that fight. I don't know. Uh, but the answer is Gaethje. Like if if Connor decides that he doesn't want to wait before you, which isn't going to happen, that fight's going to get made, and that's fine. But the answer is Gaethje because for the last like five years, Gaethje McGregor has been the best fight you can make like in the sport. If you get rid of titles, there is no fight that will be more interesting or compelling or fun as hell than those two dudes. Gaethje is, for my money, the most exciting fighter in the history of sport. And that's the more he fights, the closer that's becoming to being like a statement of fact as opposed to an opinion. But like right behind him is Conor McGregor. Like for whatever you want to feel about who McGregor is as a person and a lot of the other things that come with him, his in-cage product is always exceptional to watch. And you pit those two against each other, their styles. Like there is no fight I want more in the sport. At one point it was Connor Habib for all the other stuff, even though I was pretty confident how the fight would play out. Everything else about it was so dynamic and interesting that that was my number one fight. And as soon as that fight happened, it was Connor Gaethje. And that will probably be the case until one of them is either really old and not good anymore um, or they actually just do it. So obviously that's the choice to make here. I do want to just go all the way back to something uh, AK said like 20 minutes ago that I didn't get to respond to because I thought it was actually good and I want to give him give him props here. Uh, not that this is a super original thought, but it is one that I think about a lot, which is why in fuck's name uh, was 
Poirier versus McGregor two, not for an interim belt. Because, like, I get that you don't want to make it the real title, but they gave interim belts for Habib's entire reign, and then everything would be way better right now if Poirier was just the champion. In, or Connor had Connor won, as opposed to this clown show where the number three guy is going to fight the number four guy to carry around a belt that means functionally nothing to anybody who follows the sport for real. Ah, well, 155 is getting some answers. Not all of them. Dana White was asked by Aaron Bronstetter uh, earlier today about Dustin, why he wasn't in the title fight. And we all knew the answer to that, but Dana confirmed it. He said no to the title fight. I want the Connor fight. They're going to try to make that happen. I feel like they will make it happen. They just, that Dustin Poirier wants to be paid and he deserves damn well to be paid as, as, as much as he can make right now. And then he'll get the winner. Uh, Dana White said, in, as far as Justin Gaethje goes, it's, We'll get him something, and then he could be next uh, to fight the winner of Chandler and Oliveira. And if that's the case, then good for him. But they we move on to, to – What's that? They don't have anyone to get him. Like, RDA is the only fighter that's, like, really viable for him. And it sure seems like they're going to do the rda Makachev fight. Like, there's nobody for Gaethje to fight right now. Also, I think Gaethje. rda Gaethje would be a really good fight, but I just don't think they're going to do it. Just jump up to 170 and fight Nate. Make that money, son. Make that money until the title fight comes. You want to talk about a fight that I don't have interest in? That one. <laughs> but people would buy it. People would care. Yeah, it's something to keep him really, busy. It's a fight he'd probably win. People have a really bad misconception about how entertaining <laughs> Nate Diaz is. Nate Diaz is super smart and really good at the business of MMA. Not somebody who's like, ah, I need to watch this fight. Fair enough. Is he good well, at the business of MMA to... anymore? I don't know if he, I don't even know if he's good at the business of MMA anymore. Thank you. Maybe he was. I don't know. Still, he's still pretty good. He knows he knows what he's worth. No, but anyways, no, we're going to no, move no. on to some. Anyways, we're going to move on to some other massive news that we found out yesterday. But the point for round three goes to. Jed Mashu. It's two to one. Yeah. Yeah, I would have given him that. I gassed out. I gassed out. I get, look, I got, listen, listen, I gassed out. I clearly, there's no, there's anyone watching can see I gassed out after that second round. I'm getting my second win. I kind of take that one off. Look, I've never stood in the pocket and traded with Jed before. Let's be honest. Anyone who's seen me go against Jed before, I kind of like to stay on the outside. I, he's he's dangerous. He's like, I don't know. He's very unpredictable. I, I kind of, if he gets to, I like to clinch up, you know, I'll, I don't think he gets, to, you know, I'll maybe throw a few, but I'll clinch up and kind of like try and push him to the fence. This is the first time I've tried to like stand in the pocket with him. It was scary. It, it was scary. It was exhilarating, but scary. And I definitely gassed out, but I'm back. I'm definitely back for the fourth round. So for anyone, uh, anyone supporting me, I apologize. It was a bad round. It was a bad round. A clear, clear, clear Jed round. Clear Jed round. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built 
to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. All right. Well, let us move ahead to uh, some surprising news that we found out yesterday. Former UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion Misha Tate, who was serving as the VP of one championship since... She announced her retirement. That was at what, USC 205. She lost to Raquel Pennington. She retired, took on her behind-the-scenes role with one. She's coming back to the UFC. She's going to fight Marion Renault on July 17th. She said, who, Marion Renault, excuse me, said she's going to retire after the fight, win, lose, or draw. But the big story here, obviously, AK, is Misha Tate's coming back. Your reaction to this news, AK, how surprised were you? Let me go back to my prince of positivity my natural state i love it mike i love it i i i i it's funny i hadn't even realized how young she still is she's only, she's 34 years old uh which i get it she's she you know in fighter year she did have quite a career uh when she stepped away from the sport at the age of 30 so there there was you know there's fighter mileage on there that we talk about but I think stepping away was obviously a great thing for her health. It left certainly left the door open. I don't recall at the time, maybe I, I'm, I'm misremembering. I don't recall the time when she first tired, everyone saying like, oh yeah, she's done. She's never coming back. Uh, I think there was a sense that she had said herself she was burnt out, that Raquel Pennington fight mentally, she just wasn't there. And and everyone could understand why. She'd been fighting at such a high level for so long. Uh, and she wanted, you know, probably wants to do other things in life, like start a family, which she's done now. She has two children now. I, I'd like to take some credit, I think, for this comeback when I interviewed her her about a year and a half ago i said i said i said misha is you know uh, her daughter was 16 months old at the time and i said is if you were to come back would that be a motivating factor uh you know wanting to fight for you know so your so your kid could see you could see mom how what mom used to do for really really do for a living you know beat people up and uh, she said no she completely shot down my question and said uh, and said no it's not a factor uh and probably stopped short of calling me an idiot and saying it was stupid but but guys I think I planted the seed. You see, I think I planted the seed in there. So she, it, 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 the idea was in there, and I take credit for it. Okay, so that that kid now is obviously pro- probably almost three years old. She has another child now, and I think that's some motivation. So I take credit for it. So I love her coming back. The, look, uh, as for what it means for the UFC and why I think it's a good idea, the the, the women's bantamweight division is not super compelling um is a nice way to i'm trying to be positive here uh it's not exactly a, a murderer's row of challengers that we're all kind of waiting to see uh get a shot at amanda nunez and even though look uh her first opponent's going to be marion renault who is who has called it her retirement fight has lost four straight fights it's really not crazy to say that an, an impressive performance and a good call out uh puts misha tate away like one more fight away after that from a title shot it absolutely could happen I don't know why it should happen. I, I don't think anyone has forgotten how the first fight with Amanda Nunez went, but I think it's a great business decision for everyone involved. So I'm all for it. Prince of Positivity, two thumbs up. Welcome back, Misha Tate. Jed, how do you feel about this news? Are you Were you surprised? Did you have any reaction at all? You got that look on your face like something's coming. So go ahead. I'd like to thank AK because – when I saw this question was coming, I was like, okay, I don't really have much to say here. Like, cool, glad she's back. Solid addition 
didn't see it coming. Like that kind of came out of nowhere, but that's interesting. Fortunately, AK gave me plenty to talk about when he decided to take credit for it in one of the boldest things I've ever <laughs> seen done in the MMA media space. Well, I interviewed her two years ago and <laughs> talked about it. I'm not sure, but I feel like maybe you want to come back when your child wants to watch. And now that your child is two and still won't have any concept of what this means and would probably be horrified. Almost three. Almost three. Ah, this is clearly the motivation for you to return at this point. I don't know why Misha Tate's come back. She said that she's in a better mental space. I hope that's true. Uh, But really, I hope that at some point in the future, she's like, actually, I came back because I talked to Alexander Lee with MMA Fighting, and he was like, man, you should do it in a couple years. And I was like, yeah. And I just thought about it forever. Like, I hope that's it because that is among the best things I've ever heard anybody ever say. Uh, I would personally like to take credit for uh, the the Connor versus Floyd Mayweather fight because I one time wrote an article about that like a year and a half before it happened. Uh, but I took from TMZ, but because I wrote the article about it, I would like to have a percentage of those proceeds. Connor talked to my manager. Uh, as far as the actual topic here, again, I don't really have too much. Uh, it is good for Tate to be back. I have no idea how she's going to look. She's been off for five years. Like, maybe the game's passed her by. I think it probably hasn't because if you look at the names still at the top of the Bantamweight division, not a lot of growth in that particular division. But uh, she would be a welcome addition. Uh, I think that this adds a back pocket fight for the UFC. Uh, the Tate home rematch, like that's gonna happen at some point. That's cool. That'll be good, good entertaining. Probably a fight night headliner. That's cool. I am stunned to learn, which I just did when I was when AK was talking, uh, that Mary Renault is still ranked despite losing four in a row. So a win from Tate here will probably put her in the top ten. Uh, Bantamweight so she is going to be a factor like she is not coming back and will just piddle around and not matter like she's going to be a factor she's got a huge name obviously so uh, the few young people that are in that division will call for fights with her honestly the thing that I'd be the most interested in but I don't think we're going to get based on some of the things Tate said uh, I think she would be a really interesting challenger for Valentina Shevchenko and again Biggest Shevchenko, I'd drive the bullet train, uh, but new blood for Shevchenko to defend against and somebody with a name like Tate, uh, I, I do ultimately, I would obviously favor Shevchenko, but I think that if Tate is anywhere where she was, you know, when she was at her peak, that's a, that's a compelling fight. I, I think she could make the weight, but I'm not sure she wants to, so that might just be wishful thinking on my part, but in general, happy to have her back, good addition. Uh, it's always better to have more people more fighters that people care about. And that's what we're going to get. All right. Well, for the interest of time, we're going to move ahead. Uh, it's definitely, oh, can, a big I read story, a comment? Especially... can I read Go a comment? Ahead, I've been, I, since I've been exposed as being cheating and reading the comments anyway, uh, Jed, there's a very Natalie Duran, a regular viewer of our MMA fighting program says, Jed looks like a guy who played a prince in a movie or TV show. <laughs> what a nice, I, what a nice thing to say. That, that is really generous. I, was I a drug prince? I, I, I wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure. I, thought, I was like, did you say it? 
I wasn't sure if she's saying you look like a <laughs> beautiful. I wasn't sure if she's saying you look like a prince or someone who played who who has played prince. I was like, I'm pretty sure. Okay, it's a prince, but oh, if there's somebody be... who's played prince, that's awesome. <laughs> that's the best compliment. Oh, it is. There is an A in there. But it'd be good. <laughs> thank, thank you, Natalie, right. for complimenting. Ted. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. Yes. Okay, so for the interest of time, because AK is the reason why Misha Tate is back. He has tied tied the score. Okay, he planted the seeds. He has yeah, tied I mean, things up. Not about it. So, I, I so got an early take down there. Time. I got an early take down, and I just held. I held Jed down. I held Jed down for five minutes. All right, so it is time for the knockout round. One question will decide it all. Neither competitor knows what they'll be answering. I don't even know what the hell I'm going to be asking at this point because this this, this my brain. I've lost brain cells with this whole matchup. It's been great, but uh, they're each going to have one minute to respond. Once they do, with the help of all of you, we turn it over to Casey Lydon, the judge, the jury, the executive producer, who will hopefully decide a winner this week after a draw between Jose Youngs and Sarah Coppin last week. So with that said, Jed, pick a number between one and thirty. Eight. AK. 18. The number is 12. AK, why didn't you just say nine? Like you had so much of an advantage if you just said nine. He's muted. I want to get right on the dot. No, I want to get right on the dot. I felt 18 right. and I said 18. I don't, I don't play that $1 price is right game. All right. All right. I respect that. Bad choice. So, Jed. All right, Jed, do you want to answer this first or do you want to go to pass it over to AK first? Uh, I'm hoping AK pulls another uh, Kamara Usman. So, uh, I would certainly like him to shoot himself in the foot before I even have to play. <laughs> you fool. You fool. Mike, it's, he fell. See, do you see the other reason I didn't, I didn't pick nine? He fell right into my trap. Oh, you fool, Jed. Did he, though? Diddy, because you haven't heard the question at AK. I go first every time. All right. We all know this is the rule. All right. I got exactly what I wanted. Let's go, Mike. If we are going to get a Kamar, if we are going to get a Kamara Usman answer, we're going to get it with this question, believe it or not, because we still have, we still have Saturday to come. We got Francis and Stipe. We're going to take that event out of the equation for the time being. First quarter of 2021 is about to come to an end. Second quarter. We're going to have much more of a sample size. we got one on TNT coming, a few cards there. Bellator's coming back. PFL's coming back. But the question is, AK, through the first quarter of 2021 in the UFC, hell, you can go all of MMA if you want. Who is your MVP for the year so far after one quarter and why? One minute on the clock <laughs> and go. Here's your, here's your, here's your Kamara Uzman answer, everyone. My MVP of 2021 so far has to be, we said before earlier, the most, the, the, there could be a new most paper champion. No, no, no one will become more paper champion than this man, Al Jermaine Sterling. God bless this man for creating this crazy headline. I guess you could also credit Piotr Jan, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Al Jermaine Sterling for the way he's handled the situation, becoming the first UFC champion to do so by disqualification. Call it shameful, call it a, a fluke, call it just just downright silly which is probably where i would classify it but i love i very much like how he's handled things i'm not saying everything he said after has been has been uh, note perfect uh maybe he could stay off the web a little bit maybe you don't need to be on social media all the time but i like that he's at least kind of settled into you know what i'm the champion this is my belt i can do with it what i want i'm going down the history books as a champion at 135 nothing's going to change that so until this rematch happens or i have to defend the title 
this is how it is. This is reality, people. So Aljamain Sterling, you're the man right now. Okay. Jed Mishu, we go to you. Same question. One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. Leon Edwards. <laughs> Come on, man. This is super obvious. I'm really gl- really grateful AK decided he didn't want to win because uh, he actually like totally could have won if he just picked the low-hanging fruit. It's Dustin Boyer. He's the best lightweight. It's not Habib. He knocked out Conor McGregor, which was chef's kiss beautiful. Uh, he's been the dude we've been talking about this whole time. Like, if the year ended right now, what are we going to remember 2021 for? It's going to be for the diamond and and for knocking out the guy who beat him, becoming this, I'm not going to call superstar yet, but building on that and establishing himself as the best lightweight that's not Habib. Like, when you add in all the other stuff that he launched his hot sauce, which apparently is good and not a hot sauce dude, and he's just a great person, like he's a really good human being, like there's no other choice here but Dustin Poirier. Uh, I, I respect Aljo. I wish he'd lean in more to it, but Poirier's the answer. <laughs> All right. Now, normally we would allow the the viewers to chime in with their picks, and I would just run off a bunch of stuff that's going to be happening this weekend on MMA Fighting. We don't have time for that because in a matter of moments, in about seven minutes from right now, I'm going to be talking to Demetrius Johnson. So we got to wrap this puppy up. We're going a little bit longer than we expected, so we turn Wait it on over to the Honorable E. Casey Lydon, the man with the gavel. Casey has the big decision. He's got his hands full. Casey, who will face Jose Youngs for the strap right here live next week? Your winner. Oh, boy. Jed Mishu. Oh man! Five zero we've ever had on this show. Because it feels like the first five zero we've ever had on this show. <laughs> oh <laughs> man! <laughs> There's confetti falling in, in an empty kitchen right now. Ah, uh, he feels like he got the big fat hose job from Casey. All right, and Jed. I just like to congratulate um, AK. With the first, uh, the first BTO contestant to have double-digit losses. <laughs> That's why you picked him more than anything else. All right, but listen, no, we are running out of time here. Chose to lose. <laughs> I thought he was going to go with Kamara Usman as the answer there. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, I was. I, was I should have. I, I, it actually would have made sense this time. I'm, I'm saying, I thought really as soon as you said, I got your Kamara Usman answer for you, Aljamain Sterling. AK gets two losses today. This is bullcrap. Scott McCrane in the comments, right? Robbery review. This, would be a, this is great. You know what? More content for the site because there would be a robbery review for this BTL tomorrow. We okay. should. We should Take have care. it. All right, Jed. You got 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is, good, bad, and different about MMA. I already think I know where you're going with this, but the floor is yours. Uh, very quickly, shout out to Yanni Blocko. I haven't been able to talk about how great he is, but I loved everything about him. Uh, but really, the only thing to talk about, I mean, there are a lot to talk about. Fight Circus is back, ladies and gentlemen. April, I think, 12th. Fight Circus 3. Uh, fisting for dollars. I talked about it last week with Jose Young's on the A-side. It's back. They've got a wheel of violence. You spin it, and 
you get to pick your weapon basically so you spin it is it all headbutts is it uh, a left way fight it's gonna be awesome i love my circus it's it's very dumb and the best thing that's happening in this sport at any given time so yeah tune in it's gonna be great oh man ak you are the man this was i gotta say for, in the host seat this is the best this is the best matchup ever this is so much fun my face hurts from laughing i was impressed with both of you gentlemen equally somebody had to lose and unfortunately uh it was you ak and it's okay it's all right you're still the co-host and the co-matchmaker and you're still the best friend so that that that, that weighs more than gold and victories and title value t- titles all that stuff wow best friend huh that hurts but okay thanks mike Okay. <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right, listen. We're out of here. Jed versus Jose next week should be a lot of fun. We got all your 260 coverage coming up over the next couple of days. Stick with mmafighting.com. AK is going to bring the heat the rest of the weekend in on Sunday and on to the next one. So thank you for watching for Jed, for AK, EKC Lydon. I am Mike Heck, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn. Perhaps we'll take you out, but we'll see you back here next week between the links. Everybody, this has been Between the Links. I'm Mr. Lin. Thanks for watching. Click the subscribe button, leave a comment. I don't know. Ah! You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.